0: Welcome to I Am Divine, Mastering Your Intuition with Psychic Mediums and Spiritual Psychology Coaches and Science of Mind Practitioners, Paula Hunter and Kim Garden. This is Paula Hunter.
1: And this is Kim Garden. And welcome to another episode of I Am Divine, a spiritual podcast where you will discover your psychic potential within by learning skill sets that develop and master your spiritual gifts. We will teach you about universal truths that will empower you to manifest a life you truly desire.
0: We are here to remind you who you are, the powerful badass that you are, the divine I am, Hello and welcome
1: to another episode of I Am Divine. Today we are joined by certified level three Reiki master teacher, energetic health practitioner, trauma recovery facilitator, and the creator of the trauma transmutation and soul integration, Occam Wood. Welcome, Occam. Thank you so much for being here with us.
2: Thank you for having me, Kim. Nice to meet you, Paula.
1: I love it. We are so excited. We are so excited to have you here because you've overcome adversity, abuse and addiction, and now you are supporting others on their journey. Can you tell us what the catalyst that started you on your journey was?
2: Yeah, uh, the catalyst that started me on my journey was signing up for this crazy life, right? Like it's been a billion (laughs) different little scenarios. But the shift happened at 19. Mm-hmm. At 19, I was homeless. I was on a rooftop of a Denny's, eating out of their trash, contemplating ending my life. And in that moment, I had a divine clarity. And I chose to change my life. I chose to become a product of my past instead of a victim to it. And within a month, I had moved to Oregon, left everything behind, including my two-year-old son and everybody I knew and grew up with, and started fishing. Went on a fishing boat for about two months then Burning Man, then 20-year journey to get to here. <laughs> 20 years of more little things. So that was the moment, though, where I decided to stop being a victim. And uh, I'd be lying if I said it started that day. But that moment of clarity led to, yeah, another series of 20 years. Yeah, so it's been 20 years on the dark side, 20 years in the light so far.
1: Can you tell us more about, you keep saying that moment of clarity, and for like people who are going through those dark times, what like what was that for you?
2: It's kind of funny looking back, it's like I can't tell if it was hypothermia or like the voice of God or, you know, like the drunks call a moment of sobriety, right? That moment of clarity. But I was kind of reliving my life, just going through all the reasons why I didn't want to live, right? Whose fault was this? Was it my dad's for leaving? Was it my mom's for putting too much responsibility on me? My narcissistic sister's, the physical abuse or my molester, you know, like or the cops or the drug dealers. Like whose fault was it that I was here homeless, ready to kill myself? Mm -hmm. And... It just came through. I, like I said, I don't know where, but my mom always did listen to Wayne Dyer. So it could have been in the back somewhere. But I love Wayne Dyer. this awareness that out of all those circumstances, I was the only common denominator. Mm. And that it was my opinion of those circumstances that left me with the, with the results, right? And so in that moment, I decided that I was going to go through each of those scenarios and pick out something that made me strong so i just went through and like i said went from being a victim to a product and to me that means looking at your past in a way that uh, in a lot of ways we chose it but just in how can this serve me anybody can say yeah this can take me down but if you can say how does this serve me then you can excel through it and up out of it
0: that's yeah. so powerful i love how you said the term common denominator being able to step back and really see it through a fresh set of eyes i guess you can say in some ways And to step out of that space of of being the victim and recognize that, hey, these are lessons. This is life that's trying to show me a different way, show me a different path. I mean, that's such a huge awakening.
1: It's getting your power back. And I think that when we are in that state, we feel so powerless. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like nothing can work for us. We can't change anything. But it shows how much we do have that power. And it can start with that mind shift of, we can change this and what can I do? And there's that onus of putting That onto yourself. But I find when you are in that situation, it's really hard to do that. Do you have any tips or anything or advice or something for people who are in that moment of where maybe they can't reflect on that deeper level to look at themselves because there might be that shame or that guilt or whatever it is? But what would you say to somebody who's in that moment of, I don't want to be the victim, but I don't know what to do next?
2: Yeah. Like I said, for me, it was in that moment of absolute desperation. Where it was either change or quit. And now I often feel that sometimes winning is just not quitting. You know, sometimes for the day, winning can just be not quitting. And in that state where you're just at the end of your rope and there's no sunshine, one of the greatest things you can do is, you know, find somebody to reflect that for you. But most of us, when we're in that state, yeah, it's just like there's just not a lot there. So you have to take that moment to say, am I in control of my life or am I a leaf on the wind? Do I choose anything? Because if I choose anything, if I choose to get out of bed, if I choose to eat, if I choose to turn left or choose to turn right, by accepting that we have a choice, even if that choice is to end your life, right? Like even sometimes just saying that like, I have the power to end it if I have to. That can sometimes be enough to say like, I also have the power to do any number of things. I just have to have the desire and yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, going back to that state, even as I say that, it's like there is no desire when you're in that state, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, it's just so hard. What is the one thing I would say? You know, this too shall pass. That's the biggest one for me is knowing that this is temporary. And I would tell somebody or guide somebody to really look into how many things have changed in life and how can you move them your direction, I guess. Yeah.
1: That's literally my favorite mantra. And I use it all the time when I am feeling overwhelmed is this is temporary. And I repeat that to myself over and over and over again to remind you, whether it's a good moment or a bad moment, it's temporary. But as you were talking, what I was thinking, it was like, I kept hearing spirit come forward and they're like, it's surrendering. It's getting to the point where you can't continue to live like this. You don't want to. And it's not necessarily about, you know, wanting to end your life. Like you said, it was like, you were at that point where you're like, I'm fucking done living like this. It's almost like, help me. And then it's like spirit, you heard spirit, you felt spirit, you just knew something like you, you were communicated with on such a high level, knowing you had purpose. And it was like, maybe there isn't something that needs to be said. It just comes to a point of declaring like, I'm done feeling like this. And then you can move forward Mm
2: -hmm. and listening to
1: that higher power.
2: Yeah. I mean, definitely is the higher power because like you said, when you're in that state and there's just nothing else, it is that submitting. It's a submitting to the flow of the universe. And that's become more prominent as of actually through the awakening. But in the original thing, I think it was about reclaiming some form of responsibility. If I had made the decisions that put me in this situation, then I can make decisions that put me in another situation. And then after that, I think is when the surrendering to like, okay, now that I know I, and I think this is kind of a 12 step thing too. Like how can I seek, something outside of my own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs to help me move into a state of newness. And that's where that surrender comes in, I believe, is, is letting that new thing in.
0: Yeah. And when I think of surrendering, I always think from the aspect, because we do these work with higher guides and higher beings, that aspect of, I did surrender, but I've asked for assistance. On some level, whether it was from a physical aspect or a spiritual aspect, I've kind of said, you know what, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm surrendering. I'm giving it please assist. I don't have to say who I'm asking for, what I'm asking for, but by relinquishing that control and sending the intent of assistance, that's how things kind of get started, get moving, and a new journey begins. Definitely. Were there some, like, hard truths, so
1: to speak, that you were ignoring, Alcum?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was hard truths I was ignoring up until just five years ago, three years yeah. ago, maybe, you know, okay. and probably, I probably even come across last year, you yeah. know, I mean, like, it's one of those things as you start to peel the onion back of beliefs and constructs, and then whose mm-hmm. is this, right? I know you've played the game of whose emotion is this, whose belief yeah. is this, right? Is this the one? Do I actually believe that I am worth nothing except for my sweat?
0: You yeah. know, do yeah.
2: I believe that I'm worth nothing if I can't get someone to sleep with me? You know, yeah. where do these come from? And and that the steps through that is what has allowed me to say, yeah, I have the power to do something about it.
1: So is there like a lesson or something that you kind of had to learn the hard way that comes to mind?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thinking I knew anything was really the first hard lesson, right? Because I think that's where we all get to is like, clearly I've gotten it under control, even though everything's burning around me. The lesson of just letting go and realizing that I don't know everything. I don't know most of anything really, like opening up to other people's input, other books, other ways of thinking, was probably one of the bigger factors too. Because I was kind of a cocky as far as like, I've survived, right? I've done this all on my own, I've got this. And so for me, one of the hard truths was realizing that I did need to open up and let other input in, let other people share what they had so that I could have more tools in my tool belt. I think that was a big one, the ego of, yeah, I got this, I got everything, even though it was burning down around me. That was one of the harder ones. And then self-abandonment. I mean, there's a lot of interesting ones that come up because you get rid of the addictions and you think, yeah, it's just the chemical. But then when it changes out for a different substance or a different practice, then you start to understand the deeper awarenesses of codependency and and self-abandonment. And so those are the ones that have come up most recently. You know, It's like, yeah, the sexual trauma and the physical abuse, those are the big, bright sirens that you squelch as soon as you get a chance. But then it's the the creepy meanies that come up behind a couple of years later. That really catch you by surprise, I think.
1: I want to ask you too, you know, you talk about the sexual abuse and things that happened in your past, and you're very open about that. And it's a very vulnerable state for a man to be in. And a lot of men would have nothing to do with talking about it, but you're so open about it. I guess I don't I don't know what the question is. But how did you get to that state? And why? Why do you feel because you're very honest about it. And I know that's how you want to help males and females. But it's brought you to this point. You're sharing your story. Can you tell us more about that? Because it's, I think, it's powerful.
2: I don't remember when I first started openly sharing it because I think even though I had done some of the forgiveness and stuff, I didn't want to be pinned to this story of my past. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I realized that that particular experience empowered me that I was more like, oh, this is what I'm doing right. And then I realized, and I saw a stat: men who experience sexual abuse. Or rape are 13% more likely to commit suicide than a female oh, wow. and uh, a lot of that has to do with the social pressures and they're not being systems in place right and the fact that we have the most toxic term in existence man up mm-hmm. you know that is one of the most toxic tools that we've ever had and so men don't think they can express and these things are so touchy. Like I used to cry every time I brought it up when I first brought it up, you know? And so there's this inherent vulnerability and weakness that comes with sharing something about being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And for men in particular, there is a stigma around being open. And so for me, being honest and being open and being vulnerable is a permission slip that I'm writing to every single other man who's had this experience to say like, you are not alone. And you are not going to be judged. And if I can stand here and say, these are the things that happened to me and I've been able to move through them and heal them and and have good relationships with males, you know, and, and my sexuality and my partnerhood at this point. And so there's so much that can be fixed when we shine the light on it. And so I think that me speaking up is my way of encouraging others to understand they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Because in that deepest, darkest moment of I want to end it all, the main factor is that I'm alone, right? I'm alone. And so I don't have anybody to hold me. No one else knows that I'm going through. No one else could possibly have it as bad as I do. So the more we share our stories, the more we let people know they're not alone. And we also let them know there's a way through it mm-hmm. and that there can be a different experience with it. And so for me, sharing is super important because it it opens up that permission for others, I think
0: mm mm-hmm. definitely. I shouldn't say that's so huge. And you talk about the societal belief systems, if you will, on how men are supposed to act. And you made the comment about manning up. It is so important to recognize that at the end of the day, we are all human and it should not be established whether you're male or female where you're supposed to think one way or feel another way. And as you mm-hmm. said, that it comes to a place of guilt where I can't share because I'm, I'm male. So it's so beautiful that you brought up this aspect to be able to share, because I think this is something in our society that really, truly needs to change.
2: And I feel it is, I've actually started, I've, as soon as I started being like, I want to start a support group, I realized there are several out there, you know, there are a lot of groups if you open up to it. And so I think that we're in that era, you know, I think 2020 cracked a lot of people to being open to things they weren't able to see before. And so now there's just a lot more openness and uh, I'm excited to be part of that. And I'm excited, like you guys are sharing, right, more of these podcasts that talk about this, the more people are going to hear it, the more wives are telling their husbands, the more sons are telling their dads, you know, and and that's how it starts.
0: Yeah that'd be great if you can, you know, share some of those links with our listeners as well, in case there are, you know, men out there that could appreciate or use those resources to help them through whatever they may be experiencing.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I'm thinking about starting a group myself. Um, but there's several I'm I can't blanking on any specifics, but uh, I spent a lot of time on Clubhouse. And if once you start to look up, you know, male support groups, there's daily and weekly groups there as well. I am totally blanking on any names right now.
0: It's okay. You can share them and we can always put them in the link. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Let me do that. Because there's one, like, I know there's one, the empowered man, I think it is. And uh, I really like the guy. Yeah. I'll share those so that you can put them in the link. So you can put them in the description because it really is about awareness and it's about support. We don't have to do this alone. We do not have to do this alone. Anything. We don't have to heal alone. We don't have to suffer alone. You know, we don't have to you know express joy alone. And I think that that's where we're moving into is unity, collectiveness.
1: I love spirit's little seed planted within you. <laughs> I, love mm. the, I love the seed being planted within you. And then you being like, but there's so many out there. But all I keep hearing is like, but there's only one of you. There's mm-hmm. only one of you. And it's like, you might attract that tribe that is meant to learn and grow from you, especially being the creator of the program that you created. You know, that's huge to be able to help somebody to go through such a transformation. Mm-hmm. Any words of wisdom that you learned from somebody on your path?
2: Yeah, I thought about this a lot last night. And one of the biggest lessons that made the most impact as far as me being able to serve others was this moment where I was talking to my Reiki teacher. This was after my ayahuasca experience um, eight years ago. I was recertified to Reiki too, and as I was talking to her, I was telling her that I met my dad finally on his deathbed. Right, he was uh, seventy-eight years old, and he was on his deathbed. Finally, got to go meet him, and turns out he's this amazing healer. Right, he's been all over the world, hypnotherapist and Reiki master and shaman, and his Indian name is Voice of Thunder. You know, and oh he's goodness. just really deep, deep voice. So when I told my teacher, I was like, yeah, you know, part of me wishes I had a guy with my dad who knows how far advanced I'd be if I was doing shaman work my entire life instead of being molested my whole life. And she looked me dead in the eyes and she just snapped her fingers and she said, you don't ever, ever regret the path that you've taken, the education that you've got. I was like, what do you mean? She says, I don't work with sexual, with sexual abuse and I don't work with addicts. And I was like, why not? She's like, because nobody wants to hear about sobriety from somebody who's never taken a drink. And nobody wants to hear about forgiveness from somebody who's never been raped. She's like, those are very particular frequencies and pathways through the jungle that you know. And there's somebody out there that needs you to guide them or at the very least say, hey, here is a path that you can take that is not like the others. And if this suits you, I will help you." And so that message of, you are not a victim in this life, you did not come here. I know a lot of people think of karma as like some form of punishment, payoff that they have to make up for in a past life. And the understanding that karma is simply a lesson that we signed up to learn and the experiences that we choose on the interim and the decisions we make along the way are what determine whether we reach that or how fast we reach it. And so that was a very powerful moment. Like I said, 20 years before was when I had decided to become a, a product of my life past instead of a victim to it. But I would say until that moment, I didn't realize what that truly meant to say, this is what I've gone through and I'm going to help somebody because of it that's powerful. Yeah. So if I I would say anybody out there, if you have experienced, if you have suffered, then you have survived. And if you have survived, then you can help somebody. Yes.
0: No, just very much agreeing the energy attached to that. It is important to be able to work with people that can relate to the story and feel free to express what they need to express.
2: And I think that's why the life coaching has taken off so much these days, you know, because we're tired of the 30-year clinical I read all these books and so I'm gonna tell you what's wrong with you. Right. Versus I need somebody who has been on my path. I need somebody who knows the pitfalls and the hangups and the thorns and the venomous animals along this journey and they can tell me like, oh, there's a hole there. And if I still fall in the hole, they might still be like, okay, I knew you were gonna fall in that hole. Here's how we get out of that hole, you know? And so I think that's where this personalized journey and this collaborative, cooperative villagism that we're moving back to is to stay like we're not clinically sterile beings. Yeah. We don't need a clinically sterile treatment. We need someone who's willing to get in and say, Yeah, I've fucking been there with you. So we can go there together. And I'm not scared.
0: Yeah. And know? I think sometimes it's calling us on our shit too. We no,
2: can absolutely. stand up
0: and say, hey, I know exactly what you're doing. I've been there. Now what are you going to do about it? It isn't just that's right. Everything's going to be okay. But mm-hmm. I think a big part of that is the experience to hold accountability for ourselves.
2: Yeah. And someone who's been through the shit's not going to let you slide. Pity can be just as terrible as judgment, right? Like when you shame somebody, it can be just as worse if you pity them. Like when you see someone, oh, you poor baby, how bad it must have been for you. Yeah. It can really keep you in that state of like, oh, this is what I need is like the pity, right? Yeah. But when you empower someone, be like, dude, yeah. You want me to tell you a story? I can tell you stories. Or we could just get up, knock the dirt off and continue on the path together. And I'll support you in that, but I'm not going to sit here and boohoo you and and wipe your butt, you know? So it is helpful to have somebody that's like, nah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're going hardcore.
0: And I think the truths, and that's exactly, I think the energy we're moving into now is to bring the truths forward and not just continue, as you said, to pity someone, stay in that place of victimhood, but hold them accountable for what they've created, but help them to see the tools or use the tools to pull themselves out of it. I mean, our societies are changing so much. And I think that is such empowerment for individuals to be able to do so. That's the word I would pick too.
2: It truly is this empowerment of like, I can help you do it, but you have to do it versus here's the solution. Here's the script. Here's the book. Here's the lesson. You know, it really is more of a, like a walk with you than tell you. And I think that's the biggest difference too, is that accountability and that embodiment yeah. yeah, and That's
1: empowerment, a sense of pride in it too, right? To say that Absolutely. look what look what you've done. You know they say we have all the answers within us, but it is nice to be supported on that physical level. To have someone say, "I'm here walking with you. You are not alone." Because I think a lot of people, when you are struggling, you feel so alone. So to have someone say, "I've been there. I know what you're feeling. I know how much it sucks." But here, let's do this together, and I will support you with the work and not do it for you. So. What do you do when things get hard for you now? What do you lean into?
2: I really lean into community, Uh right? Like I have started meditating more and um, I always love a good book, an audio book. But for me, the biggest thing has been having people who I trust Uh and who I know love me because when someone tells you that you're messing up or you're, you know, you're being a jackhole, it can be really upsetting if you can, Justify like, well, they're just a pos, and they don't know what I've been through, and they, you la 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 la. Versus, if you have your, you know, core friends. I mean, two or three people who you know absolutely love you unconditionally and are going to call you out on it. And even if that calling you out is calling you up, right? Like saying like, look, I see that you're suffering. I see that it sucks, but you know as well as I do that if you choose to stay here, this is as far as you'll go, Uh you know? And so having someone there to reflect into, because I also, one of the phrases I heard uh, last year, which I just absolutely love is that, yes, it is a journey of self-healing, but you can't read the label from inside the bottle. Mm. and you can't pour into your own cup so finding that support whether that is prayer and your devotion to a higher power or if it is a community of people who you can go vet to break down in and and know they're going to build you back up without judgment that has been one of the biggest things for me for sure is Mm. community
0: it's huge it's funny because me and kim were talking about that earlier having that individual there that will call you out on your bullshit but is also there, as you said, to lend a hand and pull you up out of it and encourage you to move forward. I just, I found that mm-hmm. funny, Kim, because literally we were talking about that earlier today too. <laughs> I
1: thought the same thing. Paula's like, you are, you are not doing you or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like, you're not trying, you are doing. And it was like, she, she puts those little nuggets in there and it's like, ah, yes, 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 mm-hmm. I am. So she, she calls me out all the time, but it's it's like you said, it's not calling out, it's calling up yeah. when, and Such a beautiful way to look at it. So I love Mm -hmm. that phrase.
2: And we really need those external reflections too, because, you know, as we talk about like the traumas and the belief systems, like I truly believe that they actually live in the field. They are actual density energies and they can, they, manipulate how the truth comes to us Mm -hmm. and so when you're behind those blinders when you're behind that lesson or that life that you are limited by it really does help to have someone else be like well that's really just your own personal experience look over here look over here you know and so that's really where the community yeah just having somebody to say like i see you Mm-hmm. i see you i love you it's gonna be okay you know sometimes yeah. that can be enough
1: that's yeah, not keeping that victimhood either right to mm-hmm. to kind of be that light is the way i would look at it you have your community are there any is there anything else that you do like do you have like a daily spiritual practice that you commit to? Oh, yeah. or what's can you oh, tell yeah. us about that
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. There's two daily practices that I really uh, try to suggest to everybody because they've been hands down the most prolonged impact, right? It's that pebble a day that has built up this giant mound of faith in, this, in these two practices. And so uh, the first thing I do even today, after very little sleep, the very first thing I do before I talk to anybody else, before I do anything else, I walk straight to the water filter grab my water go stand by the window that has the most light coming into it or go stand outside and i just pray into that cup of water you know so i'll just pray And I will just give it my gratitude. So I'll spend those first five minutes of my day literally just like, I'm grateful for waking up this morning. I'm grateful for waking up in a bed. I'm grateful for having my legs and my arms and my mouth and my mind, all these things functioning for me. I'm grateful, you know, for my wife, for my kid, for this clean water, for the cup to have the water in, for the cupboard to have the cup in, for the house to have the cupboard in. And really like cultivate the fact that I've had times where I didn't have these things. And so that true, true gratitude, like I have things that other people don't have. Real, real gratitude. And I pour that into the cup. And then I ask the cup to take that gratitude, that joy, that love into me and permeate every cell in my body. You know, so you know, Dr. Hamoto's work on the memory of water, right? So you're restructuring it. I let that go into the cells. And then I ask that what it takes from me is also joy back to the earth. So that's my morning routine, right? First five minutes to 10 minutes of my day is just building, cultivating uh, gratitude. And then I take it with me for the rest of the day in my cells. Likewise, I have an alarm clock set at seven o'clock at night. And it says, what are you celebrating today? And that goes off every day because no matter how bad a day I've had, no matter how lack of sleep or my son's had problems or the car broke down, I take that time to absolutely no no hold bar find something to celebrate that day. Even if that is, like I said, I didn't give up today. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but once you get into that state, It's actually quite easy to be like, oh, I'm also grateful that the traffic was good and I'm grateful that dinner turned out nice. You know, I'm grateful that my wife had a nap today, whatever the case may be. And so bookending my day in gratitude to begin with and appreciation to end with, I think has helped me to keep my vibration high. I interact with people who are on their worst day you know, the majority of the time I'm dealing with people who have their worst, they have her stories that would curl the toenails on prison guards. So to be sure to hold that higher vibration at all times has been really powerful. And then I have also tried to do the, not try, right? There's no try. I have been getting better at my daily meditative practice, even if it's only 15 minutes a day, I'm trying to be dedicated to that because I do know that dedication breeds success, right? So uh, those are the three things that I really, really, preach to everybody this book ends your day with gratitude and appreciation for sure
1: gratitude is attitude <laughs> that's what i always say right i love that actually the infusion mm-hmm. of the water how that is such a good good process like I'm, i think i'm going to incorporate that that's really and it's
2: an easy one to do you know, I, mean, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think i've missed a day in over 10 years since i saw that first saw that movie with dr emoto yeah. messages
0: in water Masiru emoto It was one of my favorites too, back in the day when I started learning and how the vibrations can affect the water. And of course, our bodies are made out of primarily water and why the thoughts and the energy attached, as you said, gratitude can play such a big impact in our life as far as the creative process, but also in our physical bodies, when it even comes to ailment, how we can shift those vibrations so quickly. Yeah, I love that. I love his work. So what are you excited
1: about right now, about life, about what's going on in your life? What's getting you excited?
2: Well, personally, I'm extremely excited about my son's healing journey. It has been uh, incredibly tumultuous. He's a nonverbal autistic on the uh, lower end of the spectrum, right? I don't even like the low-end, high-end. It's really like one day he can be high-functioning and the next day he can be low-functioning. So it is a spectrum, but his journey with his digestion and his biome and also a a mold, right? We found out he has mold in his blood. So uh, we're on this process of moving him through that. He's getting better every day. And so his case is a very extreme case and seeing that move forward makes me very happy. Um, And then for my own personal growth, I'm really excited about bringing out this new method and helping, you know, you've known me for the last couple of years. I've really been developing this through the intuitive guidance and the the kind of soul downloads. And so I'm finally to the point, and I was told I wasn't really supposed to share it until I fully trusted myself in it. And now I'm getting being guided that it's time to bring it out and to help more people. And so my goal is to be on as many podcasts and stages and sharing as much as I can about what I've learned about trauma and the energy field, because I think it is one of the most powerful missing pieces in a lot of other modalities that deal with mental and emotional. I don't think they go far enough out. So it's interesting. I'm like, I feel like I found the key, even though I know that right that's the key for some people and, and it won't be for others. But I'm really, really excited about the results I've gotten over the last three years. And it's given me the confidence to, and also I've had a couple of clients that are actually like PhDs. They're having some alphabet soup, psychiatric training, you know, clinical physicians who are now experiencing this extremely woo-woo method and finding it to be effective and also making sense with what they've learned in their years of college. So it is very, very exciting to be doing this now, stepping into a new state of leadership and just a level of growth that I've never known. You know, I mean, I've been a shit shoveler, and hammer swinger since I was big enough to pick one up and sort of move into this state where I'm actually healing myself and helping others to find their health. I would have never guessed it and I've never been happier and I've never been more positive about where things are going and how the world is going to turn out even in the face of all this chaos because of what I know to be true now. Mm-hmm.
0: Finding your passions for triumph, right? Mm-hmm. it sounds like that's some of the best things that are going on in your life for you right now as well
2: yeah definitely even the chaos like i said even the chaos of my son last six months have been i mean horrific is not an exaggeration (laughs) and to have come through that and still be able to have the cultivation of like yep I know this is all happening for a reason and this too shall pass and how can i use this it really has been that like forging of the fortitude (laughs) and so yeah it's like even the chaos at this point is starting to flow easier and be more productive and so yeah i just really feel good about things right now
1: that's awesome do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with people
2: yeah just that you can do it you can absolutely make it through and this too shall pass. Like if I could say one thing to somebody's listening right now, whether it's me or Kim or somebody else, you know, reach out because pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And if you can find someone to help you ease the suffering, then you can make it through and things start to shift and change as soon as you do. So yeah, don't give up. This too shall pass and you got this.
1: Amazing. That's beautiful. This brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, Occam, for sharing your story and your wisdom with us. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I know Paula did as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode
0: of I Am Divine. And as always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show, please rate our podcast. And be sure to come back next week where we are going to be sharing some of our highlights from our Ask Us Anything. So until then, this is Paula. And Kim. And don't forget that you are powerful. I am Divine Badass. This podcast was created by Paula Hunter and Kim Garden. We welcome you to join our private Facebook group, I Am Divine, to connect with other like-minded individuals and be part of our special events that will only be found in our private community. We would love to hear your feedback on today's podcast and on any other topics that you would like to know more about. For more information about our podcast, information on Kim and Paula, our special events, spiritual coaching, training programs, or even to book a private reading with Kim or Paula, we invite you to visit our website at www.imdivine.ca.